0: unofficial Bengals podcast
1: welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast this is your host Frank LaPlaca and I'm a Bengals fan for life all right in this episode we're going to review the Vikings game and preview the Bears game Sands is going to stop by with his expert analysis on the game and Tom McLeavy is also going to stop by for another McLeavy minute
0: what's up Bengal nation this is Adrian the Madbacker Ross and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. who day. Bengals headlines.
1: One and zero. Defense all over the field. Joe Burrow back in action. Jamar Chase catching bombs down the field. Joe Mixon lighting it up. Just a great effort by everyone on the team and the coaching staff. So good to come out of the first game with a victory. And it sets you up well when you win that first game, especially because in the month of September, we have two teams that we're facing that are struggling. So we could very well get out of September with a 500 or better record, and that bodes well for the rest of the season. All right, let's go over some headlines. So the main headline of the week were there were no injuries in the game. I know Burrow was a little shaken up, and I know Mixon got a little shaken up, but it looked like they were both fine. They played all four quarters and overtime. It's looking very good to go into week two with no significant injuries. Eli Apple's going to be starting against the Bears. Trey Waynes is going to be out another week. So he did struggle a little bit this game, in all fairness. So just be prepared. He's going to be playing against the Bears. They have a lot of speed receivers. And we'll talk a little bit later about how we we can scheme that up and protect him a little bit. And Evan McPherson got the game ball. What a way to start your NFL career. Well-deserved. Hits the 53-yarder like it's nothing hits the game winner with ice in his veins, and that's going to be the first of many game winners for him. So very excited for him to start his career like that. And I know the fans are excited about it too. So that's about it for the headlines. There's not a ton going on right now. We're kind of in regular season mode, no transactions, no other stuff to report. But I always like to go over the Joe Burrow press conferences. So I'm going to just quote a few things from his press conference after the game, and we'll talk about it a little bit. So in reference to Jamar Chase... Joe Burrow says don't worry it's Sunday it's game day he's going to come here to play I love the confidence that he's showing in Chase and what a good statement to say you know what stop worrying about what he did in preseason I know this guy I've went to battle with him dozens of times and I know the guy is here to play and Chase was there to play 100 yards long touchdown a couple really good receptions And then they asked him about his injuries, and he said he didn't hurt his shoulder, but he did tweak his ankle, and you did see that he got rolled on twice. One time early by Nick Vigil, which I couldn't believe, and then one time by Everson Griffin. You know, I think after the second one, that ankle was a little sore. Another big time quote, "'When the game is on the line "'and I have the ball in my hands, "'I think I'm prepared to put myself in those positions, "'and I'm always ready for them.'" You gotta love the confidence. He knows that he's prepared, He knows that he has the skill and the will and says, get me the ball. I'm going to put us in position to win. Then in reference to the play call where they went for it on fourth down, deep in their own territory, I love this answer. Here's what he says. It's not my job to be surprised. It's my job to execute. That's an iron belted mindset. That's like Tom Brady kind of mindset. And he's a warrior, like we all know. And the last quote I'm going to say is going to reinforce that. And here's what he simply said. I was excited to get out there and get hit a little bit. How many young quarterbacks you see that are gun-shy, afraid to get hit, a little timid after they do get hit? This guy's like, I kind of need that to get back into the flow of, of things.
0: One review. Cincinnati Bengals, twenty-seven. Minnesota Vikings, twenty-four.
1: I like the fact that they eased in Burrow. He only had twenty seven attempts, which is low for him. Normally we're going into the thirties and forties. So they did play it conservatively there. There were still more of the play action screens, misdirections and stuff that and seven step drops and stuff that kind of puts him in harm's way. I would have liked to have seen a little bit less of them, but I understand there's a game plan that you need to execute. So, I mean, sacked five times, limped a couple times. It's not the way you want to start, but I understand that we needed to do things to get the game done, and we have to learn from this moving on, because without Joe Burrow, we're not going to be a playoff team. With Joe Burrow, I don't know. I think we're going to be a playoff team. And as far as the Bengals crowd, they got really involved. You know, thank you, Bengals captain, Bengals Jim BTR. I'm I'm glad that you guys were leading the charge there. I couldn't believe the amount of false starts that they were having early in the game. It was crazy. And everyone cheering on Burrow. I, at one point in the game, they were they were chanting, Joe, 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 Joe. You know, when he first comes out in the field, there's this basically standing ovation. Keep that praise coming. It gets people jacked up. You don't think, Burrow, even though Burrow's ice cold, you don't think when he hears all that enthusiasm for him and everyone chanting his name, and that gets you pumped up. So thank you to the Cincinnati Bengals fans for being the difference. And let's continue that. Let's start boxing out these away team fans that come into our stadium all the time let's be as crazy as the chiefs let's be as crazy as osu let's make it a sea of orange out there and when people come here you're not going to be able to hear the snap count and if you make a mistake we're going to be going crazy and when our stars step on the field we're going to be going crazy standing ovations chanting players names keep it all going let's keep that home field advantage let's make cincinnati a nightmare to play in we have the ability it's a loyal fan base Then other things as far as coaching, that fourth down aggressiveness. And again, analytics are going to dictate to go for it more on fourth down than in years past. And we've seen the ripple effect over the last couple years of that. And he had Burrow do the keeper, which, you know, I I guess it's hard to get hurt. I know Mahomes, like, dislocated his kneecap on one of them. But you're kind of just pushing behind your offensive line. Maybe a couple guys fall on you. It's not really a, a big risky thing for your legs. So it was a pretty good move there. But I have to say, I know a lot of people were a fan of going for it on fourth down in your own territory. I don't know. I'm a little more conservative when it comes to stuff like that. It's like, you know what? You're up by 14. I know if we got that first down, it would have broken the game open and probably ended it right there. So it's almost like a boxer going for a knockout punch and leaving his guard down. And that kind of let them back in the game. So I admire the aggressiveness. I admire the confidence in your offense. I can't totally argue with it, but me personally, I would have punted that ball away and, you know, made them drive 80 yards down the field rather than, what, you know, 35, 40 yards, whatever it was. And then the things that have haunted us in the past that we did correctly in this game, we were the team that scored in the last two minutes of the first half. As a matter of fact, we scored twice. And then the first drive of the third quarter, you want to see it, especially with those adjustments that Zimmer makes. You know, he can scheme up nightmares for the offense at the beginning of the second half. First drive of the third quarter, another touchdown, really breaking the game open there. Those are the nuances of the game that win you games. And then the other thing in in overtime, that was the closest measurement I've ever seen in all my years of watching football. I don't think I've ever seen a ball that close to being a first down. And I was yelling first down from my living room. I thought it was. I mean, you could have put a credit card in there and it might not have fit. So regardless, it was fourth down and we ended up executing the amazing fourth down play which led to the victory. But man, what a game of inches. That was a game of millimeters at that point, for real. And then as far as some negatives, I guess, from coaching and game flow, just to in all fairness, just to cover both sides. We couldn't close out the four-minute drill. You know, we should have drain that clock to nothing with four minutes to go in the game we couldn't get it done and we let them back in for the tying field goal so you don't want to be one of those teams that blows your fourth quarter leads and we've had a little bit of a history of that didn't haunt us this game because we ended up winning it in overtime but that could be trouble down the road so you know we kind of let them back in the game with a double digit lead in the fourth quarter we were up by 10 and that zero blitz is dangerous it's like all or nothing it's almost like you know, the haymaker for the boxer. I'm, I'm going to go for it and leave my defense totally down. I'm going for the knockout punch. And it did burn us on the, on the fourth down touchdown. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. But I say use it a little conservatively. That can't be a go-to because a veteran quarterback can beat that. And then we let up the field goal in the last two minutes of the game. Again, that's kind of like the end of the first half. You don't want to give up points at the end. And then I felt in overtime that we ran the ball a little too much. I know you don't want to be in like second and 10 and then get to third and 10 and have to throw the ball, risk interceptions and stuff like that. But it was a little conservative. I would have liked to seen us open it up a little more in overtime. And it kind of hurt us a little bit. Without the fumble, that was either going to be a tie or a loss. So it was, in my opinion, it was just a little too conservative in overtime, especially, you know, you got Joe Burrow pumped up. He's good in that two-minute drill. So I would have said, open it up, get it to your receivers a little more. We didn't. It ended up working in our favor, as I said before. All right, so on to the position groups. Quarterback, Joe Burrow. A couple words came into mind, and they're familiar words when I describe him. Composure. Totally composed. Doesn't matter if you're driving for the winning touchdown or it's, you know, first and ten in the middle of the first quarter. He just has that composure. Consistently accurate. I mean, just putting balls where they need to go, and it's one of those... When the ball's in the air, you're not even thinking about an interception. You're just wondering who's going to get it and how far it's going. And then the leadership. 24 years old, second year in the league, and you can see he owns that team. And that's what you want, and that's such a great trait to have this early in your career. And we can point to a whole bunch of sequences in the game, but one of the most exciting, I guess, was the one that ended with the the chase 50-yard bomb. There was three pass plays in that sequence, in that series, you had, like, the little slant into Higgins in traffic, perfectly placed. You had that out to Tyler Boyd with, I think it was Peterson on him. We, we barely threw at Peterson all game. And then the big one to Chase. They had the free safety lined up on Boyd, and Boyd was in the slot. And it was like, wow, you know, you could have thrown it to Boyd for 10, 12 yards easily there. But by the free safety covering Boyd, there was one-on-one with Chase on the outside you got to take that chance. As long as you can set up the protections where he has a little bit of time to throw, that's a very high percentage deep ball. And that's exactly what they did. And Jamar Chase, big victory glory moment. Welcome to Cincinnati. Goodbye, all the drops in the preseason. No one even cares anymore. And that's what I wanted to see. And that's what I knew this guy was going to do. And here we are. Then the Uzama throw. That's a harder throw than you think. You're play-actioning, you're dropping back, you're expecting pressure. He got very good protection on that play. And then you see your tight end just coming all the way across the field, wide open, and you have to kind of place it in there. And that's what he did, and that ball hung up in the air forever, perfectly in his hands, indefensible, led him, and led to a victory. So there was a lot of amazing throws in the game, but those are four of the throws that really stood out to me and Joe was hit too many times in this game. Even though the offensive line played well, it was a victory, everyone's happy. He was sacked 5 times and he limped a couple times. We can't go the season that way. If he goes down, it's over. And already in the first game, you had him come off the field limping twice. So I'm thinking that we have to scheme it up a little bit better. We have to be a little more cautious, especially in these first few games. Let's get him, you know, let's get him to the middle of the season in one piece. You can't go too many games with him taking hits like that. Sans is going to go over it later in the show, all the sacks and who's responsible and whatnot. But regardless, there was a couple times where guys came in free. Hopkins got beat a couple times where guys came in free on that too. So you can't have those. You can't have a guy coming from five yards off the line of scrimmage running full speed and hitting Joe Burrow. And Joe's got those long legs at 6'4". You know, some players are built like that where they have those long legs and they always seem to get twisted. I always felt that way about A.J. Green. And he escaped major injury a lot of times, so I'm hoping that Joe does the same thing. But, you know, he has he twists a lot, and you're just seeing those legs get bent in weird ways. It happened a few times this game where I was cringing. All right, on to running back. Mixon ran hard, caught the ball well, you know, over 100 yards, helped us control the clock. A great game by him. He was running hard. He was running aggressive. He, he wanted contact. Even the one play where Eric Kendricks, who's one of their best linebackers, was going head-to-head with Mixon, and Mixon blasted him, knocked him down, lost his helmet, fell down on the sideline. I mean, Mixon was hungry and just ready for anything that came his way. It was nice to see. And during the game, I was pointing out some things. You saw guys not wanting to take him on one-on-one. A lot of DBs kind of, like, turning to their side and hoping that the contact got him to the ground because no one wanted a piece of him that day. And it's hard to run like that consistently, but a few backs in the league can do that. Obviously, Derrick Henry's one of them, and Joe Mixon's another one. And Mixon had very few negative runs. I know he slipped on that one-fourth-and-one, you know, the, the one that we talked about earlier in our own territory. If he didn't slip, he had the first down. But when you look back at all of his runs, we had a few, like, for no gain, but not too many where he got stopped in the backfield. I think that may have been the only one, and that's good. You want to keep going forward, chew up clock, get yourself into manageable third downs, and he was just doing all of those things this game, and obviously it led to a win. And Samaj so P. Ryan, nice change of pace. I always love him in there. A good blocker, would run through a brick wall, as I always say. Had a couple nice plays in this game, so it, it's nice. If the guys are getting tired of tackling Mixon because he's running so hard, you have a guy who actually runs a little bit harder. So we got a nice one-two punch there. Chris Evans didn't see any time this game, and I figured that was for the reasons which I mentioned in my preview. We still want him to get more secure in his pass blocking, and I think once that happens, you're going to see him on the field a lot more. Wide receiver. Chase was explosive made all the catches that he needed to make even early there was a couple that were high as I talked about there was one throw that was behind him he just grabbed everything and when he got the ball almost like mixing he was like come come tackle me guys I, I challenge you so he ran very hard he got open on the deep ball like that I mean just a total great opening game for him and Higgins had a strong game again with those with those routes a couple very clutch catches And on his touchdown, he got chucked by two guys. So he he comes off the line, he gets hit, he he goes like a yard or two, gets hit again, and then there he is wide open for the touchdown. So really good to see. I I guess all the strength training and him bulking up helped because it's hard to get off two hits like that before you even get like two, three yards off the line. Boyd had a semi-quiet game, but you're not going to have all three receivers have 100-yard games every game. It's just impossible. So one guy's got to kind of be the odd man out, and in this case it was Boyd. I don't know if it was... Mackenzie Alexander with great coverage or just it was the game plan to go to the other two guys more I mean Boyd had some good clutch catches don't get me wrong he did have the drop he missed a couple blocks but I mean those are minor things I said it before the season started and I'm sticking by it Boyd is going to have a monster year he's going to have 100 receptions Burrow's going to be finding him all the time and just because in the first game they didn't is not a referendum on the whole season. All right, on to the offensive line. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think there were any penalties on the O-line. And, you know, that's another stamp of good coaching. So the Frank Pollock effect is coming into play. He's getting good play out of his tackles. Williams and Reef played excellently on the outside, really protected Burrow, didn't let up any sacks. Quentin Spain had lots of push in the run game, was holding his own. I thought Suafilo had a little bit of a rocky start, but then he had he ended up having a good game after that. You know, he let up a big hit on the Higgins touchdown where Burrow got popped on it. But it seemed like he got his legs in the second half and was performing as well as the other guys on the line. Trey Hopkins struggled. It's not fair to pin it all on him for in his first game coming back from major surgery. But, you know, he let up a couple hits on Burrow that were just a guy running free, getting thrown to the side by the nose tackle. And just coming at Burrow, you know, this 300-pounder. So we have to be careful of that. And I'm sure that Hopkins is going to get better by the game. But again, you know, you're six, seven months removed from ACL surgery. It's so hard to compete at this level. So hopefully we get that fixed. Hopefully he improves. If not, you're going to have Trey Hill coming in. And that's a rookie, and that can present its own set of problems. So, you know, the Billy Price trade, we got excellent return on the first game from Hill. But if Hopkins continues to struggle and Trey Hill isn't ready to get in there, we could have a problem at the center position. And Jackson Carmen, they're easing him in, which I like to see. I would have loved to have seen him win the starting position. He didn't. So there he is as a starting guard on extra points and field goals. I mean, you got to start somewhere. At least he's in the live action, getting some game experience. Hopefully, he builds on that and eventually cracks the starting lineup. And he was the one who lifted McPherson at the end of the game. So that was nice to see. You know, even though he's only playing on special teams, he was still excited enough to hoist the winning kicker in the air. So good stuff, good team player mentality. And, you know, we'll see what the future holds for Carmen this year. And then on to the tight end position. Quiet game for them in the passing game. It was really just like in preseason. They were using the tight ends for blocking exclusively. They were very rarely looking for them. I think Uzama had one catch early. And then, of course, he had the big play at the end. But there were very few targets for the tight ends. And that was a schematic thing. I'm curious to see if they do that moving forward. All right, so let's move on to the defense. The interior defensive line played amazingly. DJ Reader. Joby, Tupo. When they rotated Hill and Sample in there, they were productive and active. For the most part, we shut down Dalvin Cook. We got to Cousins. It was an excellent game by them. I'm so thrilled that we're getting this return on investment out of these guys. And it seems like if they stay healthy, it's going to continue. And then B.J. Hill, the new guy on the team, two sacks. What a great start. Let's keep building on that and hope that continues. And they weren't like hustle sacks or give me sacks like he legitimately beat his man and got in there and made a play twice Trey Hendrickson was very active and he was getting held all day and there was a couple holding calls that would have technically been sacks so even though he didn't come up on the stat sheet with any sacks there was a couple very big impact plays that he was a part of so a good first game for him as well he's going to have a great year for us this year I can see it already on to the linebacking core Jermaine Pratt Best game ever as a Bengal. Third year, maybe hitting his stride. Maybe the light has come on fully. I mean, he was instinctive. He was fast. He was diagnosing plays. Of course, he had the big force fumble and recovery. Just a great game. If Pratt continues to play like this, we're going to win a bunch of games this year. Very happy with the linebacker room. Every one of them contributed to this win. Defensive backfield, Jesse Bates was all over the field again, picking up right where he left off, except he was hitting guys harder than I've ever seen him. I guess everyone, no matter where you are in your game, even someone like him who's really on top of his game right now, probably went into the offseason saying, what can I improve upon? And judging by the way he was throwing his body around this game, maybe he was saying, I I need to be a little more of an enforcer back there and, and lay down some big hits. And man, did he do that. Von Bell continues to prove that he's a reliable tackler and a nightmare in the box. He had a very good game for us. was is great on those one-on-one deep balls. And, you know, he held up against two really good receivers, Thielen and Jefferson. Thielen did a lot of his damage from the slot, so it wasn't really against Awuzier. Every corner is going to let up a pass here and there, but for the most part, it looks like we got ourselves a nice corner on that side. And Hilton is a force out there. We've got these two defensive backs, him and Bell, that can play in the offensive backfield all day. They play the run, they're blitzers. I saw the effect that he can have on a game. He's a a short tackler, a very, very good addition. And Ricardo Allen showed some ability as that third safety. You know, when when they take out a linebacker, go to that three safety look, he made every play they asked him to make. So again, nice to have there. He's taking that Sean Williams role from last year, and it looks like he's running with it. Then on to Eli Apple. I don't know. You know, I don't want to get on any of our guys. And he was a little rusty. He didn't play much in the preseason, nursing a hamstring. And I thought they were going to target him. And they didn't really in the first couple series of the game. But then when they found that he was vulnerable, they just kept going at him. And unfortunately, a couple of the plays that he let up kind of let them back in the game. So, I mean, if it's only coming from one spot, it could be a nightmare. I mean, they can just exploit the one spot that's deficient. But out of the 11 guys on the field, it was only like one that was doing his job in a subpar way, and it was Apple. Everyone else was playing great, so Coach Anarumo, you know, next week, we're going to really have to scheme up how to help him. Special teams, Evan McPherson, I mean, it's been so long since we had a kicker that when you have a 53-yarder, you're just like, yep, we're kicking it, no problem, he's coming in. And he nailed it. I mean, that would have been good from 63. And then the game winner, that's a lot of pressure. You get iced, it's your first game ever as a pro, you're in overtime, all the pressure's on. He didn't even feel it. He just kicked the ball as he always did, won the game, no big deal. Very excited that you can grab someone like this in the fifth round that could be a major difference maker. So excellent job by Mr. Tobin and excellent job by Evan McPherson. Keep it up, brother. And as always, the kick coverage and the punt coverage was flawless. We didn't give them any big field position advantages. Huber was punting very well. He put it inside the five late in the game when we needed it most. So he's right back on track. Even on the play where we had the lapse in protection for him and, it, and was partially blocked, it still was a decent punt. He got it off, got out of trouble there. So that's another veteran move, and we kind of dodged a bullet there. But that was really the only negative special team's play of the game. And Darius Phillips caught the ball when it was punted to him, made the right decisions on when to run it, when to fair catch it, so all that was good. He had the one nice return of, of about 15 yards. I'm um, just, you know, we're, we're concerned about him dropping the ball but I'm, I'm getting concerned because of his frame of him fumbling in traffic because there was a couple times where he had like three guys ripping at the ball and I was like, oh, man, that ball's coming out.
0: X's and O's with Sands.
1: All right, we're here with Sans. Sands, how are you today?
2: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank?
1: All right, my friend. It's nice to get a win in week one. Um, before we go into specifics, what are your thoughts on the game in general?
2: Yeah, overall, I thought both coaches called a pretty good game. Maybe a, a tiny bit too conservative towards the end from Zach, but I think that was also because he uh, Burrow just took a sack from Daniel Hunter and he came up a little limpy, so you're going to protect your guy. And you don't beat a Zimmer defense by getting aggressive, in my opinion. Defense mixed around a lot of fronts, did a lot to stop Dalvin Cook. Other than a few plays, uh, really, the wide receivers didn't kill us, especially uh, Jefferson. I mean, Owousie did a great job. He basically shadowed Jefferson for a lot of that game, and he did a great job. I was really impressed with him. Joe Burrow is almost like a veteran Aaron Rodgers type with this already, where he used hard counts against the Zimmer defense, which is really important because Zimmer defenses rotate late, they move late. We know this from when he was the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati. The defense rotates late. They move late. He used to use Reggie Nelson to fly back into the secondary, be the single high safety or rotate to two high from uh, one high. One well, of the only guys that does this type of stuff. And when you give a hard count and they already they start going that way, you got them. You got it. They're not disguising anymore. They can't switch coverages, so you know what's coming. And that's how he got the touchdown to Chase. Was he? They came out and they looked in a completely different coverage. He gave the whole hard count. <laughs> well, whatever brought his hands up really faked like he was getting the snap and safety started rotating back he said okay i know what we got here and threw a bomb for the t higgins touchdown he did a quick count so quick that the uh broadcast angle were still on his face when the ball got snapped did a good job changing up his snap counts to keep zimmer's defense in check and the defense did a good job of being a little bit multiple to try to stop all the weapons that the vikings have the last play of the game, or not well, last offensive play basically of the game, the fourth and inches. Yeah, you usually get two calls as the uh, quarterback on a play like that—a run and a pass, just in case what the defense shows you. And man, to audible to the pass play, it was a leak, which is a tight end's going to look like he's blocking and sneak across the line. And the Vikings knew this play was coming. If uh, you rewatch, you see that they have a guy Xavier Woods who's looking for it. But they just couldn't find him. And 30-plus yard gain set up the game winning field goal. I mean, perfect throw. Great job to call the audible to get into that. It was another hard count to see that they were coming. They were coming to stop the run. I think they had two guys coming down the A-gap, and it was awesome.
1: Yeah, it felt like that ball was in the air for 20 minutes, you know, when because it was such a big point <laughs> in the game. When it went up, it was just like I'm just waiting for it to land. Like, it's almost like that's an easy ball to drop, you know what I mean, when it's like such an easy ball to grab that you can psych yourself out, especially a tight end. But uh, I'm glad, I mean, everything went in our favor with it. It was it was a great moment in the game, obviously. And again, great observation on that. Offensively, who's, who's your MVP of the game for us?
2: I think it's Mixon. I think Joe Mixon had his best game that he's had in years. So many missed tackles for us. He... Every time there was a linebacker in the backfield, he would make them miss and still gain four yards, and that's just huge to be in second and six rather than second and 12. thought he was really decisive. thought he just looked crisp. He looked good. He looked like what you would think that Joe Mixon at his peak would look like, and I credit Frank Pollock with a lot of that.
1: Wow. Yeah, he's making a difference already. Um, you know what? Before we move on to the defense, speaking of Pollock, what are your thoughts on how the offensive line played as a whole?
2: I thought the wide zone system that he Ryan looked really good. The only issue uh, was Trey Hopkins had a few uh, missed. He had a few one on one pass attempts with uh, Michael Pierce, and Michael Pierce got him bad on both of them for quick wins for sacks. I think it looks worse than it is because he didn't only had so many one on one opportunities as a center, and the ones he had, he lost. Other than that, I thought the tackles played well. I thought Spain played pretty well. And uh, most of the sacks, there's five sacks, but one was because we put uh, Drew Sample on Neil Hunter, which is just that ball has to come out within a second or that's a, he's winning. <laughs> it's one of the best edge players in the league. Uh, one of them was a missed blitz pickup by Joe Mixon. And another one was Samaj P. Ryan missing Harrison Smith on a blitz. So there's three sacks that ha- did nothing to do with the offensive line. Then the other two came from Hopkins. His first game back, he had the surgery, what, probably in February, since he was injured in January. So he hasn't he hasn't been able to practice or anything very long. Probably a little, little rusty. But his snaps were good at least, so didn't have any problems there.
1: Yeah, true. So the vigil sack, you're, you're putting that on Mixon, I gather?
2: Yeah, uh, I think they change protection calls at the line based off of a late Zimmer rotation, which he does, because you don't usually have your slide go into the running back and the running back picking up on that side as well. You want the slide going one way and the running back picking up on the other side. So the free runner uh, vigil comes down, I think the A gap and uh, Mixon's going to pick up. I think it was a defensive back coming the other way. So I'm thinking he never even looks that way. I'm thinking they call the protection in the huddle. They get out there, and see Zimmer's doing some funky Zimmer stuff. They try to change it. Mixon missed that and he didn't pick him up.
1: Yeah, it felt like on those two sacks in particular that Zimmer kind of outsmarted us on those. But I mean, that's going to happen. He's one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Uh, what are your thoughts on our defensive performance?
2: I'm do an MVP if I am. That would be – it's like a pick, any of the three interior defensive line guys, but I'll go with uh, Larry Ogunjobi. I think he had the most splash plays. B.J. Hill, Larry Ogunjobi, Tupo too, and D.J. Reeder all were phenomenal. Uh, they really controlled the interior of the Vikings offensive line. I just think of uh, – I think it was Larry Ogunjobi – who used the Viking center as a weapon to, to sack Kirk with, just like Gino used to do. Really love seeing that. Uh, B.J. Hill had two sacks and only 24 snaps. Tupo, you remember if he had a sack or just picked up some holding calls? D.J. Reader picked up two holding calls. Defensive line was just awesome.
1: Yeah, I felt the same way, and I, I felt the secondary was performing well, too. I mean, there was a couple lapses near the end of the game, but as a whole, that's that's a tough wide receiver crew to shut down.
2: Yeah, the only issue in the secondary was specifically on one drive where Eli Apple really got beat a few times.
1: Right, the infamous drive. He missed the tackle, then he had a holding call, then he gets beat for the touchdown, right? I think it was all three on one series, yeah. What about the linebacker play in general?
2: I liked Pratt a lot. I thought he did a great job of trying to force fumbles. Uh, I really liked his game. I thought Wilson did pretty well as well. He had he overran a couple plays. They're, they're raw. They're young guys, so they're not going to be perfect. But both of them, I thought, had pretty good games. And I thought Pratt was uh, good. Like, he, he looked good this game.
1: Maybe his best game I've seen as a Bengals so far. I, I thought that Logan Wilson let up a few plays early on. And it seemed like he, he gained composure late. But overall, you're, you're feeling like he had a decent game?
2: Yeah, overall, yeah. I, I think he was the weaker of the two linebackers. But uh, it's one game. And we'll see how they do in Chicago.
1: And I'll tell you, Hilton's a, a game changer. I mean, he's he's almost like another Von Bell at the line of scrimmage. You know, a guy, a defensive back that can really just get in the backfield and, and mess things up. Um, on the other side of the coin, we're seeing his coverage. You know, he's not that lockdown slot corner. I, we kind of knew that coming in. What are your observations on, on his game
2: I think we blitzed him about eight times, and that's what you have to do when you have Mike Hilton because he didn't get paid all that money to be a coverage guy. He came, he got paid that money because he's one of the best blitzing defensive backs in the entire league. They worked. He was a free runner, and the thing is that our interior defensive line was winning so quickly that it didn't matter. He, he was a free runner coming through the B-gap, but there would already be B.J. Hill or uh, Larry Ogunjobi sacking Kirk Cousins. So it, the blitz worked, but the guys won on their own.
1: I, I agree with you. And and Hendrickson was disruptive too. I mean, he was he was hustling, he was active, and I think he was responsible for a couple of those holding calls as well.
2: Yeah, he, uh, he picked up, I think, two holding calls against Rashad Hill. I think he might have been involved in a sack. I don't exactly remember. He got some pressure. He did have the one uh, hands-to-the-face penalty. I remember that it was a killer because I think that happened on third down, third and five, and Keem Davis gaither almost got an interception, dropped it, but they got bailed out.
1: Sands, it's nice talking to you after a win. Hopefully, the rest of the season we're going to be we're going to be celebrating like this. It's you know you start off one zero, and it's it bodes well for the season at least.
2: It's a lot more fun to talk about the wins.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. How do people find you on social media?
2: You find everything I do at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. All
1: right, my friend. I'll talk to you next week.
2: Yep, talk to you then.
0: Week 2 Preview. Cincinnati Bengals at Chicago Bears.
1: First play of the game, we run that wide receiver screen to Chase. The one that he infamously dropped in the preseason, but he caught in this game. We're doing the same play with him on the outside you got a blocker in front as a wide receiver. The whole offensive line is adjusting to him running that screen play. Boom, five, six yards. Maybe he breaks it and gets a dozen. Second play, Joe Mixon. Just a nice, crisp run to the left side between the wide receiver screen and a nice, solid Mixon run to test out the left side of that defense. Hopefully we're in a third and short position at this point. Third down, if it is indeed third down, you go five wides. You get that kind of weak, secondary covering five guys. And you have Boyd and Higgins both in the slots on opposite sides, both doing slants. Joe Burrow, pick your poison. Pick who you think is more open. First down, here we go. Then after the first down, first play. Play action to Mixon because they're thinking you're going to run it on first down. We set up the deep ball to chase. Make sure we have good protection in there. You know, Mixon's taking the play action fake and blocking. We have a tight end in there as well and then we isolate Chase down the right sideline one-on-one, get it going again because if Chase scores on a deep pass on our first series next week, the momentum and the energy and the electricity behind this team is going to propel us into a win. All right, so let's move on to some offensive strategy for the game. We have to limit Joe Burrow's exposure to hits. I know it's a no-brainer that every game that should be the main goal of every game But again, he got sacked five times, got hit a bunch of times last game. Bears have a pretty strong front seven as well, so they're capable of doing the same thing. We have to keep Joe Burrow healthy if we're going to go anywhere this season. And then we keep Joe Mixon going. You don't say, oh, this is the Bears' defense. They're a strong defense. We can't run the ball. Because we could have said that last week against the Vikings. And look, he churned 127 yards against them. So even in the first quarter of the game, if you're seeing two-yard runs, three-yard runs – Stick with it. Again, you're going to limit Burrow's exposure to hits, and Mixon is eventually going to get going, and he's going to do the same thing this game as he did last game. I I can see it. You know, he's going to control the clock. He's going to move the ball, and don't be afraid to get him the ball in space with, with a few short passes. And then you attack these corners. They have decent safeties, but they're, in my opinion, weak at the corner position, and we have three guys that can eat that up. This is a game where you throw a lot of quick passes to those guys. No seven-step drop kind of things, very rarely. Just nice quick passes. Four wide receivers, five wide receivers, three wide receivers. Boom, 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 boom. Just march down the field, mix it up with some mixing, and that's the key to winning this game. And because they have really good linebackers, it's probably not a game where you're going to see a lot go into the tight ends. They're probably going to be used for blocking purposes for the most part, and I kind of agree with that. And this also says this might not be the game for too many screen passes and misdirections. And those are two things that expose Burrow as well. You know, on the screen, you're letting the lineman rush him and then getting the ball off. I mean, he could very well get hit on those. The misdirection, you're flipping it over to one side and then taking a second or two to come back the other way. You know, those are all things that make him susceptible to hits and probably not good ideas against a defense that has good linebackers. Offensive concerns, a 3-4 defense can kind of mix things up, especially when you're used to seeing a lot of four-man fronts. They're probably going to get decent pressure from Khalil Mack and Hicks and Quinn. So, you know, there's some guys there that can rush the passers that you have to be very protective of. Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack can also shut down your running back and limit your tight ends. So that's another concern offensively. And I thought that Eddie Jackson, their safety, was very quick to the ball. So he's someone to be conscious of when you're throwing deep and down the field. And I think Gibson's a solid safety as well. So they have some good play on the back end there. So it's a matter of going after the corners. As far as the defensive strategy, you're going to go after those left tackles. I know Peters came out of the last game and his backup got hurt. So I don't know if either one of those guys is playing this week, but if they are, they're going to be a little compromised. Our D-line was just slamming last week. Let's keep it going. And that's a spot to attack. Let's set up a D-end on him and a linebacker coming in as well. Let's have like two guys coming in from that left side and really putting pressure on the, on the left tackle and then you have to help Eli Apple especially he's probably gonna they're probably going to try to set up Allen Robinson on him a bunch to try to gain the advantage so you have to scheme it up where you're giving him help over top and because they have really strong tight ends I think we need some Ricardo Allen to help the linebackers in that tight end coverage you know I don't want this to be a game where they expose Logan Wilson and I think more Ricardo Allen will limit that because they're going to be, I mean if I was the Bears I would be going to the tight ends constantly in this game and then if Andy Dalton's starting, blitz him heavily. Get him to put out that ball quickly. And all he's going to be doing are dump-offs to the running back and short passes to the tight ends. You're going to limit the long game, and you're going to limit those wide receivers if you can just get in on Dalton with a lot of blitzing and a lot of pressure. And I think that's very possible. And if Fields comes in, I, you know what? It might be risky, but I say the same thing. Blitz him heavily. Make him take off constantly. Get a few big hits on him and you know, get him thinking a little bit. If he's going to try to get the ball off against pressure, that could be disastrous for a rookie quarterback. So no matter who's in there, I think this is a game for pressure and blitzing. Concerns on defense? Fields is a mystery. I don't know how they're going to use him, what they're going to do with him, but he's deadly with the ball in his hands. So it could be a case of stopping Andy Dalton a bunch, and then they bring in Fields and he scampers 12 yards for a first down on a third and long. You know, stuff like that could be really disastrous for us. But that is something that concerns me about this game is him coming in, not much tape on him, great athleticism, and ready to run the ball at any moment, which is something that has hurt us in the past by mobile quarterbacks. And then again, back to those tight ends. They have Komet, Graham, Jesse James. They have three guys that have all proven themselves in this league and can do damage. So we're going to have to scheme up the best that we can, make sure that those linebackers are solid in their coverage, and again, maybe help them out with Ricardo Allen and you know Bates and Bell also helping out and they have a good unsung receiving core Robinson can do a lot of damage and they have three very fast wide receivers with Mooney Goodwin and Bird even though they're not guys that put up huge numbers there's those are guys that can really get you in trouble on matchups so, you know look for one of them in the slot to try to test Hilton look for them to try to test Apple you know there's going to be some strategy going into having those guys make big plays for them so let's be prepared for that And David Montgomery, he was a pretty active back when I watched him on the Sunday night game. He's small, but he's shifty. So he's another guy that, you know, you sleep on him, give him the edge, and he can do some damage there. As far as my prediction for the game, I don't know. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I just think that the Bengals are on a roll right now. I don't care if it's home or away. The Bears did not look good. They have a whole bunch of issues. You know, they still have a quarterback controversy, for lack of a better word there. Tough team to score on so I'm seeing two touchdowns for us and a bunch of McPherson field goals and I'm thinking that we limit them offensively kind of the way they were limited on Sunday night 23-14 Bengals 2-0 and and here we come NFL
0: McLevy minute
1: Alright we're here with Tom McLeavy Tom how are you today? Good,
0: hey, Frankie how you doing bud?
1: All right, my friend. What are your thoughts on the latest Bengal victory?
0: Well, a a win's a win. We'll take it. I, I liked how they played. I think they were in great shape. Great to see Burrow out there playing. The offensive line did okay. I think that they were in better shape than the Vikings' defensive line due to the fact that Mixon was able to run the ball at the end. Uh, It was a good thing to see that Mixon was uh, running hard. Looking at this offense, and I said this last year, I think we have a running back and three wide receivers that can take over games at any time. Thinking about the chase pick, that, you know, something... They might have been thinking... How much longer are they going to be in a position to take an offensive guy, a dramatic offensive guy that can take over games like Chase, that they chose him over the linemen, figuring that they plan on being in the draft in the future at 18 to 20, 30, hopefully, 32. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that that guy can do. The drops. I knew he would. That wasn't going to be a problem. And it's great to see that he got his first game under his belt with over 100 yards, mixing 127. Thorough was throwing some nice passes. He was hanging in the pocket, looking good. The defense. They bent. They played hard. Trey Williams got to get back soon because Eli Apple has to go. You know, when a guy jumps, a former number one pick jumps around from team to team, you can't think, well, we got this guy and, you know, he missed the tackle that uh, set up that big play at the end. So, you know, Trey Williams hopefully gets back soon. Bates was laying the wood. How that guy is not an all-pro safety is beyond me. It's, the only reason is, is because he plays on the Bengals. Our defensive line is, is very good. B.J. Hill, two sacks. I mean, I, you know, finally they got rid of some guy. Instead of just cutting them, they were able to pull a trade and get a guy who comes in first game and, and gives you a couple sacks. That's a, that's a great move. Coaching, I liked the calls. The first one on the the fourth and one at the, their own 40 or whatever. If Mixon in full, I thought that was going to be a first down. But it shows that Zach Taylor knows he's on the hot seat and he has to be aggressive. The fourth and inches, in the overtime what i heard he gave burrow two calls and let him make the call of what he sees but um it's good to see that i think zach taylor is realizing so he's being more aggressive but yeah i, I it's a win to win finally we gotta break cook fumbling the ball we, we're usually doing that hey the other team did it for us and it's uh it's we took advantage of it because i think they were in field goal range so hey we'll take the win um i don't know how good we are for a team that got all those penalties it was like 12 to 3 to be still you know having them be able to tie the game was sort of mind-boggling but um you know we'll take the win and maybe hopefully you know it's the first the first game it, after three preseason games, you know, hopefully we should, you know, shoot the rust off, got the win, go to the Chicago, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, have a more convincing win.
1: Yeah, how are you feeling about the Bengals being an underdog in Chicago?
0: It's uh, after, you know, Chicago didn't really show me anything to to make them even a, a favorite, but it's Monday, you know. By Friday, maybe we'll be a, uh, a toss-up.
1: All right, Tom. Well, great takes as always, and I'm looking forward to another win this week at Chicago.
0: Sounds good, Frank. AFC North Standings
1: All right, the Bengals are in first place in the AFC North with a 1-0 record, and they're tied with the 1-0 Steelers. The Browns and Ravens are both in last place, as I would like to say, at 0-1. The Bengals are currently the 6th seed in the AFC, tied with a couple other teams. Because they beat an NFC opponent, and there were 5 teams that beat AFC opponents, that puts them technically at 6th in the tiebreaker. I know we're splitting hairs because it's so early in the year, but right now they are tied for the 6th seed. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Bears game and a preview of the Steelers game. And Tom McLevy and Sands are going to come by and join the fun as well. I'd like to thank @bengals_highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The
0: Unofficial Bengals Podcast.